Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition, and we have a very special show for you today, coming to you live from the Secrets of Successful Syndication Conference in Dallas, Texas. This conference is hosted twice a year by the Real Estate Guys, Robert Helms and Russell Gray from the Real Estate Guys radio show. This is an amazing conference that you will definitely want to attend, held every year in September and March. On today's show, my talk is a case study about land use, entitlement, and annexation. Enjoy today's case study. A couple of you asked why I'm wearing a second microphone, and here in my pocket I have a digital recorder, so if I do a good job, this might be a podcast episode, and if not, you will not hear about it again. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about land today. The value of land is linked to what you can do to it. That is purely the linkage. Agricultural land, most places in the country, is valued between three and four thousand bucks an acre. If you're growing weed, maybe ten grand an acre. <laughs> but it's it's in that range. As soon as you change the use of the land, its value multiplies. So you turn it into development land. Now you're into the twenty to fifty thousand dollars an acre. Once it's entitled, once it's built out, you're now into half a million an acre. And if you're in a dense urban environment where you can build high rise, it could be in the millions per acre. So it's all tied to what you can do with it. Question is, what is a city? Who knows what a city is? Obviously that one is Boston. That's Boston, that's correct. Legally, what is a city? Anyone know? It's a corporation. City is a corporation. Do you know what the difference is between a law and a bylaw? A law is constitutionally enshrined. So it's either at the federal level or at the state level. The cities don't exist constitutionally, so they get their power from the state. It's an act of the state legislature that enables you to incorporate an entity, a city, as a corporation. This is America's smallest town. It's Manoe or Monoe, I don't know who, how to pronounce it. Maybe, does anyone know, or are you from there? Population of one. <laughs> so you can, you can create a very, very small entity and be incorporated as a, as a municipality. Did you know that in Dallas County, there used to be over 200 municipalities, there's been a lot of consolidation. Today there's 35 separate municipalities. And that complexity can be a real pain in the you-know-what, or it can also be an opportunity. Now, we talked about buy on the line, move the line before. This is another line. The example I'm showing you here, this is Colorado Springs, and you can see to the west of that little dotted line that I've drawn is the city of Colorado Springs. And if you look to the right, to the east, there's almost nothing. And you look at that and you go, wow, that's weird. Why is it that the city developed that way? Well, that little square, or that little circle that you see on the far right-hand side, that's Shriver Air Force Base, Space Command. And that little square in white, that's a property that we're developing at 1,783 acres. 
Now, the city of Colorado Springs approached us and said, how would you like to annex into the city? Now, part of the reason that they want us to annex into the city is because they don't want us to form a separate corporation between us and the Air Force Base, because that's actually big enough that you could do a reasonable sized town. So it's a project we're working on. I don't want to go into details because this will eventually be a live deal. But annexation is part of changing the land use. So there's two pieces, there's annexation and then there's entitlement. What can you use the land for? When you're annexed into the city, you get access to things like city services, water, sewer, electricity, roads, all of that infrastructure. Entitlement is all about what can you do with it? Is it residential? Is it commercial? What's the density that you're going to be permitted? Minimum lot size? All of that kind of stuff. And it's the combination of those two that gets you that land value multiplier. So the actual case study that I want to show you today is in a suburb of Boise. This is the suburb of Middleton. It's a separate city. And on the right side of that street that you see running north-south, that's Emmett Road. On the right-hand side is Middleton High School, brand new high school with a nice big football stadium. And to the west of that, you're in the county. Well, that is where we're doing our development. So that land is going to be annexed into the city and we'll have access to all of the city services. This is the actual subdivision. So it's 151 residential lots. It'll have access to city services. We're changing it from agricultural. It was originally zoned to eventually go residential at one unit per acre. Now, when you're at one unit per acre, you can still do well in septic. But if you want higher density than that, there isn't enough space between a well and a septic. So if you want higher density, you have to be on municipal services. So we're, in this particular case, able to do three units per acre with a minimum lot size of 8,000 square feet. There's a lot of different possible exit strategies when you're doing land deals like this. One is you could sell the raw land, in which case you'll make a very small profit margin. You could sell the entitled land, in which case you're going to make more. You could put a shovel in the ground and build the infrastructure, the roads, the sewer, the water, all that stuff, and sell shovel-ready lots to a builder. Or you could go vertical. There's lots of different exit strategies that you can do. In our particular case, in this specific example, we bought the land for just under two and a half million dollars. But we couldn't actually get the land, so we ended up buying it from a wholesaler and we paid an exorbitant, and I mean exorbitant, assignment fee, a wholesaler fee of $650,000. We had to really inhale deeply when we wrote that check, I have to tell you, because I've never paid an assignment fee that large. But we became confident that we could actually get a decent exit. And not too long after we had started the process, we engaged with a California builder who wrote a firm contract for $7.8 million on completion of preliminary plat. So 30 days after we get completion of approval from the city for the entitlement, they write us a check and we don't have to put a single shovel in the ground. And that's just one of the examples of the little stair steps that you can take to get multipliers in land value. It's another one of these buy on the line, move the line strategies. And when you look at these boundaries that exist in municipalities, 35 of them here in Dallas County alone, there's lots of opportunities 
if you're willing to look at the opportunity through that particular lens. There are some risks. One of the risks is that they might say no. You might get community opposition. You could have technical obstacles like sewer capacity and things like that. But it's important to do some risk mitigation. One of the ways that we do risk mitigation, now I live in Ottawa, Canada. How does some dude in Ottawa, Canada become an expert in Middleton, Idaho? Well, the way that we do that, every city's city council meeting is usually a matter of public record. And they're lazy, so they put this up on YouTube. Now, there's 80 hours of city council meetings over the last two years. I don't want to sit through 80 hours. This one was four and a half hours. But here's the hack. We use the same technology that we use in podcasting to transcribe a podcast. So we've transcribed all 80 hours into a single word document. So every single word that was uttered in city council in the last two years is fully text searchable. So I can go through that document and search for words like objection or setback or whatever word is important to me at that particular moment in time and I can get as smart as a local that sat through 80 hours. That's a little hack. Very, very useful. So we can risk mitigate and do these deals that are in different locations. Now sometimes people ask me, Victor, how do you find deals? And I have to tell you quite honestly, with all humility, we don't go hunting for deals. So I really can't answer that question. These all come to us. But once you develop a bit of a reputation as someone who can develop syndication, raise capital and get these deals done, these deals will come to you. And I know you won't believe it, but it's absolutely true. That's all I got.